0: Hello there. Welcome to The Ebon Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news and Knights of the Old Republic. Today we get off of Terrace and talk about your Candice Ordo fancasts. Spoiler alert for the Knights of the Old Republic series and the Star Wars films and TV shows. This is where the we are finally freaking getting off of Terrace begins. All right, so before we get started, um, back in episode 32, we kind of talked about the score of KOTOR and some of the songs that reminded us of Knights of the Old Republic. So we're getting around to the listener responses to the question, what songs remind you of KOTOR and why? And Astro Notka Art said, When we talked about a male raven, I remembered one song which I strongly associate with him. It's in Russian by a band called Arktida, The song Pozvid is named after a Slavonic god of bad weather and storm. I especially like that in this strophe, with my great power, strength, and power, there is the exact word which is used for force in Russian. And the part with a clear day doesn't cope with me is very shippy. I kind of liked getting that response because I'm not really too familiar with Slavonic or Russian songs. So sometimes it's just nice to, to hear. From fans uh, in other parts of the world.
1: I also kind of like how it's just kind of like obscure compared to some of the other ones that are going to come up where they're a bit more mainstream. So I thought a lot of kind of thought came behind that one.
0: And then Ironic Doc Design says the Game of Thrones soundtrack has a timeless theme with similar vibes to Star Wars. And Raman Jualdi, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He did the Game of Thrones soundtrack I I do like the soundtrack they use for Game of Thrones. And I've come across his scores in Clash of the Titans and The Great Wall. And I I do think it has a good score and kind of a medieval fantasy kind of sound.
1: For a mainstream pick, that that was pretty good.
0: And then The Order of the Jedi says SWOTOR main theme. So... I am more familiar with the version that Samuel Kim put out, but what about you?
1: Um, I don't know. I I do like the music of Sotor with a lot of the earlier Star Wars projects too, though. Like they don't, they don't stray too far from the regular Star Wars formula. And so when you do hear something from Sotor, you do get kind of that Star Wars vibe. So yeah, I'd agree with that.
0: Yeah. And then Jedi Aimer Tall says the Bastila and Revan theme, which I think that Samuel Kim put out, which is kind of a more orchestral sound and an emotional sound uh, to the Bastila theme. And then she also adds, I love Upper City Terrace 2. So vibrant, and it's a good one.
1: Yeah, I thought with the with a lot of the overworld themes, so kind of outside the more combat centric but most of the overworld themes from the original KOTOR are just really great kind of like ambient um additions to the gameplay of KOTOR.
0: Yeah so we always love getting your responses and maybe in the future um I'll remember to specify like what non-Star Wars or KOTOR songs remind you of KOTOR and why (laughs) because that's what I was kind of meaning but we, we loved all the responses. So, all right, uh, let's just uh, take a quick break and we will talk about getting off of Terrace.
1: Well, it's about time. We've been uh, covering terrorists for a few episodes now.
0: Yeah. Uh, So in case you're at home, wondering how we got here, when we last left off our recap of KOTOR, we defeated the bad robot and the Sith governor in the Sith base, and we got the launch codes. And then you meet Kandris Ordo at the Javiar's Cantina, and... He mentions Candrus, of course, works for Davik's estate, and it's kind of interesting because after you meet Candrus, there is a cutscene, and it's just like a beak like ship, which is like the Sith kind of like their flagship, I would say. It just looks ominous, and it definitely evokes the Imperial Star Destroyers. And that ship just looms over Terrace, and Admiral Kareth is there, and Malik is overlooking the planet of Terrace out of his window. Malik says the search is taking too long. The search for Bastil is taking too long. We cannot risk her leaving. So he says to Kareth, like, destroy the planet. Kareth is kinda like, wait, what? Like, you want me to bomb like an entire planet? And Malik's like, did I stutter? You're gonna do it, and it's like, okay, well, we'll get it ready, you know. So that hammers home that you need to get off terrace. And the editing in this is interesting. It would be interesting to cover in a movie because we're seeing something that Revan and Basila don't really know. So I think that's a cool detail. Then you, uh, then you get to Davik's estate. And Candris is introducing you. It's kind of like he is your contact. And it's it's hilarious because Davik is like, yes, I keep my Ebon Hawk ship, the Ebon Hawk, in the garage. I have the codes. And it's just, I'm like, thank you, Davik, for telling me everything I need to know.
1: Is this a plot Um, device?
0: It is a plot device. And it's kind of hilarious because he's like, okay, we're going to complete that background check. You stay in your room. You're totally not a prisoner. But if you leave, I'm going to be very upset. So don't leave, you know, or go anywhere. And it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to stay in this room. So
1: <laughs> It's like in Final Fantasy yeah. VII when when uh, Aerith tells you you have to stay in your room and then you try and sneak out. And if you bump any of the pots, then she sends you back.
0: Uh, yeah. I played Kingdom Hearts, just not the Final Fantasy. <laughs> but what is funny is there is a room in Davix's estate when, when you get out. It has mounted heads in it. And it's kind of like all the... It has it contains like all the creatures' heads that you'll see in the game. It has a Rancor head, uh, Kinrath, and everything. So I thought that was a cool little Easter egg they threw in. And it... <laughs> If you remember in the Mandalorian, I think they mentioned the Twilight pleasure baths that Davik's estate has one of those. And Davik has an interesting uh sense of decor. There's a lot of purple, a lot of purple and white, and one of his rooms, it just has a huge throne, so I'm like is he is this just where he sits down and like rules the Theresian underworld so
1: yeah i don't know if that's cool like tell. a like a historical reference of like wealth because um purple in the uh in kind of like the medieval days is was really expensive to manufacture so i don't know if maybe they were kind yeah. of going with that kind of vibe there
0: yeah traditionally it was the color of royalty because it was a very hard dye to produce usually they would have to I think it was the color purple is associated with royalty because as far back as like ancient Greece and Rome I want to say like the classical age the color the pigment came from I think a shellfish or something and it was just very hard to obtain so that's why it was only royalty had it so and like up through now and like as he said like the Middle Ages, like throughout history, purple has been associated with royalty. So I think also Davik's armor is purple too. So he must just love purple, you know. So it it was an interesting detail. So how I got the codes to the Ebon Hawk is I freed the pilot out of a torture cell. And then the bombing begins. Kello and Davik. I kind of wonder if they knew that the attack was imminent and they were kind of just locking up everyone else and they were just going to leave themselves. Then you fight Kalo and Davik, And the fight can go different ways. Like, it can be a hard fight. But sometimes, like, Davik will just instantly be hit by the Sith, like, uh kind of like the bombing, like, there's just some random hits, you know, so he'll just die. And then there's a cutscene with Callow, and he has a thermal detonator. And he says, I'm taking you all with me. But then like, some rubble falls from the ceiling, and he gets crushed under it. But one thing I wonder is like, how does he get off? Because he canonically dies on Tatooine, but I'm just kind of like wondering how he managed to get a ship and and leave and how he got out from underneath the rubble. But how do you think he got off?
1: Uh, probably similar to how the party gets off in Rogue One, where he just kind of like scrambles to the nearest thing that can fly and just kind of last second books it out of there.
0: Yeah, the garbage will do. That's actually uh not rogue one like I was just referencing. There's a problem
1: um, on the horizon. There's no horizon There is no
0: horizon. Yeah. So but the garbage will do is a uh, reference to the Force Awakens. So
1: Yeah that Yeah. Whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you can loot Davik and uh, Just watch out for the stray bombs. Well, not bombs, but like bullets. Like the bombardment is happening and you can get hit. But one cool detail is like if Bastila is in your party, because you have to have Candrus in your party. And then I just like having a lightsaber. So my party there was Kandris, Revan, and uh, Bastila. She'll heal the party as you're leaving. And... One word of wisdom I will give you is save your game after you've looted uh, Davik and just save it because you're going to get into a little bit of a dogfight and if you die you have to do that fight over again and it's annoying to have to do that again so just save it. But one hilarious detail is it asks you if do you wish to board the Ebonhawk hawk? And then it's like, why would I not, why would I stay, you know, like, when the planet, like, is getting bombed? (laughs) So I'm like, do I want to board the Evan Hawk? I'm like, yes, you know. You pick up your friends, and then you have to go back and, like, pick up your friends in the apartment, and then you leave. And I kind of think, like, in an adaptation, like, that would be that would just slow you down. So I think like what I would do is just maybe like have the others sneak in or maybe the whole group was going to join the exchange. But yeah, so the bombardment uh ruins Terrace forever in canon and in legends. And that quote that Darth Malak has, wipe this pathetic planet from the face of the galaxy was in the KOTOR trailers. And I just think it's like, Kind of iconic, I would say. And it's just cool how he just, like, gestures, like, with his arm to, like, just go at it and, like, wipe it out. It, it kind of brought and... the
1: first visual of the purpose of the large Sith Wedge cruiser. Because um, before before the Sith cruisers came out, we, we knew about the Star Destroyers, but we've never seen like what a Star Destroyer is actually meant to do, which is to occupy a planet and orbital bombardment if necessary. But this is kind of the first example where that's actually done in a Star Wars setting. So like, yeah, yeah, it was just kind of um neat to kind of connect that dot for what that cruiser is meant to do.
0: Yeah, this is kind of like the Death Star before the Battle of Yavin, like, Sith just love to destroy things because they're just so much about control that they don't really let things grow or live, you know. And I just think it was cool to kind of see, and it kind of reminds me of Iron Man 2 in a way. Which just the quote, uh, Tony's dad, he says, "I'm constrained by the technology of my time," and. I can maybe just imagine Darth Malak saying, like, I want to destroy the planet, but I'm just so constrained by the technology of my time. So, because I think in the new canon, like, Sith have always been trying to learn how to use kyber crystals to destroy. So, it's just, it's interesting that the advent of, like, Rogue One, you kind of just learn more and more about, like, that it's just really dark sided to destroy a planet.
1: So, yeah, like it's not, I think it's it's not it's cool. enough to rip an atmosphere off of a planet by um, plasma glassing the whole place. They want to completely obliterate it from existence.
0: Yeah. So that's evil, kids. Don't do that. You're setting in a course for wing, but as you're doing that, uh, some Sith fighters come after you. And it's very evocative of Luke has to get into the turrets of the Millennium Falcon to shoot the TIE Fighters, you know, while Karth and Basla are piloting the Hawk to go to Dantooine as they're plugging in the course. You have to get in the turrets, and you have to shoot the fighters. And like, I always struggled with that as a kid. And even now, I'm just like, okay, I'm trying to shoot it, you know. So it took a few times, but then once you beat it, you, you get to go to the next planet. So yeah, Karth is a pilot because, you know, Star Wars always needs more pilots of ships like the Millennium Falcon, you know, and then Bastila is the co-pilot and yeah, in a future episode, We'll cover how we would handle getting off of terrace and how much terrace to feature cinematically in a future episode. And we'll also discuss, like, which planets to feature and in what order if we would change anything. So, because it'll be interesting to tackle, like, because in some ways I think Kotor you can switch some things around, but then I also think some things should be constant. But what do you think?
1: Um, you know, with the planets, you really can tackle that in any order you really want. I don't think that it would matter if you went against the canon order on the planets, but I, I do think that something would have to be simplified a little bit on what... Planets are featured because there is a lot and that is a lot of runtime. So that would make a pretty long second movie in a trilogy. Um, just just from all yeah. the traveling, I think. And so if they were to maybe narrow it to instead of like finding the different pieces of the puzzle to just narrow it to like one piece maybe. I I don't know. It, yeah. it's it's kinda hard to because i think there's a lot of really good stuff from each planet but just kind of the overall of trying to find like this one puzzle piece on each planet would just get a little tedious so i think dantooine for sure but uh the other ones it's pretty tough
0: yeah so we'll tackle that in a future episode because i think it does take some care you know and you want to have like the best movies possible and sometimes people like if you change anything from a video game or a book when you're adapting it into a movie some fans get very offended very quickly but I think there's a difference between like plot and hair color and sometimes if a character's hair color changes, that's not really affecting the plot, you know? But but yeah, sometimes changes need to be made to make a better cinematic experience. And I think that can work out well, sometimes not as well. But we'll tackle it, and uh, we'll see what you think. So... Uh, our next topic, we were going to talk about Candrus Ordo fancasts, but before we do, we're just going to take a quick break. So we got a lot of ideas for some Candris Ordo fan casts. So first off we have Star Wars underscore Revan dot two. Josh Brolin, yeah mine is generic and vicious cuz, says I would cast Josh Brolin as this Mandalorian bad A. And then underscore Serenny says oh the guy who played Thanos maybe. So yeah, Thanos is played by Josh Brolin. Do you think Josh Brolin would make for a bad a candorous or would do you think it'd be a little bit generic
1: i just think it's a wrong fit but i i don't know i it's like like here we go we're, we're picking a mainstream uh actor for a role <laughs> you know i i just kind of feel the same way with um anybody pulled from like the marvel cinematic universe or from the hbo shortlist
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of chose, like, my shortlist for Revan were all people from the MCU, so maybe I have no room, you know, to say anything, but I think Josh Brolin is a good fit in, like, Deadpool 2 and Dune, just maybe not quite for Knights of the Old Republic, but, you know, I always am happy to be proven wrong. And then this is followed by Sick Nick. Dolph Lundgren would make a good Candress. The voice is gruff enough. And then Paul underscore Kala says Dolph Lundgren. The gray hair is perfect, I think. So what do you think about him?
1: The only thing that I recognize him from is The Expendables.
0: No, he's Swedish.
1: Like I don't think it's a like a bad pick. Uh, the one thing that... I don't gets gets a little in the way for me is when the accent is really thick and uh, which his is, and so that can be a little bit distracting, but I don't know. I don't I don't really know him in a lot, so I don't like. I'm not gonna shoot that one down.
0: Yeah, I think it's a it's a good one. Maybe not the perfect fit, but I think it is a good fit. Like I wouldn't mind him being cast and for me, Swedish accents, I love them. So <laughs> I'd be okay with it.
1: Like I'm not I'm and not then, saying anything like mean about the Swedish accent. I'm just like when it's that thick, it's for a character that's gonna be sticking around a while, it can be a bit distracting.
0: So Jay Marie Athletics says, I can't remember his name, but the dude from Hellboy is the obvious choice. Then Rossi Nasi says Ron Perlman. Pumpkin Fingers says 1990s Ron Perlman. And then Ironic Dot Design says I'd say Clancy Brown or Ron Perlman, maybe Idris Elba. And I like that Pumpkin Fingers says 1990s Ron Perlman because I think 1990s Tom Cruise would have been the perfect Nathan Drake. <laughs> but.
1: Or a Nate Fillion. I mean, Uncharted didn't a exist then. Nate, or a Nate Drake, too.
0: Oh, I think Nathan Fillion is a bit too old. And it would be a little bit too perfect. Like, kind of just like, for me, it's kind of like saying Keanu Reeves is Revan. But I mean, a lot of people like that. But for me, it's too obvious. Have you seen that, um,
1: that mock trailer with uh, Nathan Fillion playing Nate, Nathan Drake?
0: Yeah, he made it himself. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. He tried to make that happen. For me, it was a little bit too sloppy, but, you know, this isn't an Uncharted podcast. Yeah, here we
1: are sidetracked, but I thought that was cool. Yeah,
0: but Ironic.design says Clancy Brown. Uh, Clancy Brown has already been in The Mandalorian, so I don't think that would happen. But Idris Elba is an interesting choice. I mean, I kind of suggested him for Karth, but... Maybe he could be a good Candorous, but I kind of just want to see Idris Elba be given like a straightforward heroic role for once because I think he's just kind of cast as villains too much.
1: Or like a misunderstood uh, hero, kind of like his role in Pacific Rim.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Candorous I think, uh, through the KOTOR series, like through Knights of the Old Republic 2 you kinda see more of him and that he protects his people. Um, so I guess he kinda gets more nuance later on, but I kinda just wonder if there's enough nuance, you know, I just want Idris Elba to have a straightforwardly heroic role, but what do you think about Ron Perlman?
1: Uh I I actually don't like ron perlman that much uh like if if we were kind of going into the like a like an 80s or 90s ron perlman like we're kind of doing that kind of cast then maybe but he's he's a bit like too anti-hero in my opinion like as a typecast kind of pick out that's kind of what i see in ron perlman Like, either, like, major, like, far, uh, like, chaotic anti-hero or more of just a villain role.
0: I mean, Rob Perlman for me, I mean, he does look like Kanderous, but I think it's just not quite the right fit for me, you know?
1: Yeah, and I've Um, never seen Hellboy, so that, like, I don't, I don't see that picture. Like, some of these have, um, some of our guests have, kind of pointed out uh kind of the the pick from hellboy is kind of their image of it and so i don't i don't quite really, i've never seen that so i don't really know what that is about
0: yeah i'm familiar with ron perlman from other things so yeah i mean maybe it's just not my choice but i can see why others would would choose that and then star wars underscore negotiation says we all know danny devito is the only option and I mean, he is the only option. So, what do you think?
1: I have nothing to say to that. I think that was hilarious, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, some people suggested her for Bast... I I mean, some people have suggested Danny DeVito for Bastila, but maybe he could play both roles, you know? It could be very compelling. Just do a whole Danny
1: DeVito cast where he plays all the characters.
0: That's really the best thing I've heard in all all of our episodes so yeah let's make it happen um and then star wars doctrine says arnold schwarzenegger Um, it would be
1: nice to see arnold in something other than terminator but he's really old now so
0: he's kind of old very typecast and i think if you have him people would just say hey it's arnold schwarzenegger you know um so yeah Probably not, and I'm guessing he costs a lot of money.
1: And to go back on my extremely thick, distracting accent point, that's another great example.
0: Coden just hates Europe, so...
1: Unless they're British brunette, then they're fine. Oh,
0: great. All right. And then Galactic underscore artwork says Alfred Molina, which is an interesting pick. I kind of see if Alfred Molina was going to play anyone, I would... Maybe have him be Calo Nord or someone on the Jedi Council. But what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with the Calo Nord pick.
0: Then Astro Droid says, okay, now knowing that he's supposed to be 58, side note, Candorus is 58 in Mandalorian years, whatever that means. So, planets uh, orbit
1: stars at different rates. It's probably true.
0: Yeah, so. Asteroid says, "Okay, now knowing that he's supposed to be 58, I'm going to throw out Jason Statham as my pick and Ken Watanabe as my alternate pick. And I'm not opposed to Jason Statham. I think he's a little typecast. He plays one type of character. It's, I would say, it's adjacent with Candras. It wouldn't be bad." It wouldn't be like the best of all worlds, you know, but it wouldn't be horrible in my opinion. And Ken Watanabe is probably Ken Watanabe would be very interesting, and I I would like that a lot. Yeah, so, I'd. What do you think?
1: No, uh, so he he comes from so, uh, yeah. We've seen him in a few things like Inception and things. Um, I'd yeah, I'd uh, I'd be okay with. Him being cast in a role like that.
0: So, uh, who are some of your fan casts?
1: So, I uh, I must really want Stephen Lang in a Kotor film because that was my pick, and I know I I picked him out for one of the earlier members or one of the character earlier characters from our cast picks. But uh, I just can't get the uh, that uh, that little press meeting at the beginning of Avatar out of my mind for kind of like putting the the two and two together for Candaous so there we go that's my that's my pick.
0: And then my top pick is Nikolai waldo and I know for the most part I probably only pick like MCU actors and people who have been on Game of Thrones but for him I think he would be the right age kind of has some gray hair. Uh, not all the way gray, like he'd be able to kind of be different from Karth, like not as old, but still full of life, you know, and could hold his own in a fight. And I think he would have a good voice and a good like warrior like build. And I was very impressed with his run as Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones. And I think he's probably not as Not as well known as some of the actors and actresses in Game of Thrones where I don't think it would be quite as distracting if like Kit Harington or like, you know, Amelia Clark was in Solo, you know, Mm -hmm. I think he would fit in and he would have a distinctive voice for Canderous and um, I'm just a fan of him as a, as a person and as an actor and part of me even would like to see him play odysseus if they ever made like the odyssey
1: but hey if uh if pedro pascal wants to be a mandalorian without his uh mask we we could cast him in there too
0: i think that would confuse everyone because then they would be like wait is he a clone like is this four thousand years and but you know if if pedro pascal wants to be in like who are you to say no thank you for listening to the ebon hawk you can find us on Instagram at the Ebon Podcast on Instagram. And then our podcast, The Ebon Hawk, can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out immensely. And you can reach us at EbonHawkPodcast at gmail.com. You can email us your questions and business inquiries there.
1: And if you want to talk to me, you can find me on Twitch, Instagram, or Twitter um, just by searching Kodamban. Uh Typically, if you want to catch me live on Twitch, it's Thursday evenings, and uh, just watch out for the notifications either on Instagram or Twitter for uh, me going live there. And our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shorman, and he can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash alistairsounds. And our transition music was composed by Christian Walker, and he can be found at ChristianWalkerMusic.com.
0: All right, this has been the Eben Hawk Podcast. May the Force be with you. We'll be back soon. Bye for now.